Jesus that you have given us that we always triumph over the enemy. Every plan of the enemy can fail because of the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the mandate that you've given us to destroy the works of the enemy. And so tonight I speak into this atmosphere that every work of the enemy is destroyed. I speak at the sound of my voice that every single setup and work of the enemy that was meticulously put together has been, is destroyed in one sentence in the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare right now that only the voice of Holy Spirit has authority in this room, in this place, to give instruction and to be heard at the sound of my voice, Father. Every other voice from the past, any other interference now, any other voice in the future that tries to upend and, and uh, refute the voice of the Holy Spirit has to be silenced. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. Our topic tonight is what makes you think low or have low thoughts? Imagine that. So (laughs) we're going to talk about this because low thoughts are like having low voltage and thinking it's normal. So low thoughts are, it's, it's, um, it's anchored in something to keep it low. Death is the lowest thought that you can have. Death, the, the money debt and the life debt, it's debt. That's the lowest thought you can have. Death on earth, if you think about it, death on earth is equal to zero. Nothing is zero. It takes you to zero, right? So your value on earth goes to zero once death has occurred, right? Um, Even though we, as believers, we're going to heaven and all this stuff, but our contribution it's like think about this your eternity contribution is happening while you're on earth so death stops your eternity contributions you can only make contributions to your eternal life account while you're here so Imagine how the enemy wants you to hold off on doing anything that would benefit you for eternity as long as he can get you to hold off on it. But what he doesn't plan on is that Joel 2.25. When God comes in on the scene, he restores everything like you didn't lose any time. So now the person, you remember that story where the person started working early in the morning and they got paid a certain amount because they agreed to it. And then the person come at the last hour of the day and they got paid the same amount. And then they got all mad and all that. Kind of like the prodigal son and the brother thing. thing. Well, that's an example. The person whose work, who ends up at the end doing, coming in and, and working, it's almost like they got a higher value for their effort. It quickens faster, you know, to catch you caught up. 
right? Because God's all about getting you to get to your best. Like, that's it. That's, he's not like, you're not, you're not serving penance here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So look at Paul. Look at the Apostle Paul. He's a perfect example. He was, he was actually in the area. He knew when Jesus walked the earth. Right? Because when he started his work, when he got the road to Damascus and all that, it wasn't long after the, you know, that Jesus died that, and went to heaven that he started his work. So he wants some baby when Jesus walked in the earth. And then, whoo, you know, <laughs> he was there. He was probably part of the group that was opposing Jesus while Jesus was walking on the earth. You understand what I'm saying? And look at what happened to his life. So what I'm saying is the devil always means something for evil, but if you can catch him, you get to do the verse that says what the devil, what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn into good. Right? So it's all by your speaking it, as I was saying before we went live. You, when you capture these things that the devil is doing, you have to say something about it. Because if you don't, it's like you never knew about it. And you just let him keep doing it. You have to, the, the way you stop the devil is by saying something. You don't stop the devil by wondering when it's going to be over. <laughs> like, oh, I'll just hang in there. I just hope it's over. No! <laughs> you, it, you stop him by saying something. And you have to make sure what you say does not agree with what he is doing. Because then now you are quickening his results, not yours. Do you see? But it starts with what kind of thinking are you doing? So low-level thinking is linked. It has to be anchored somewhere. Because low-level thinking has to be going somewhere. See, as humans, we don't like to just, like, stay still, even though many of us do. <laughs> but we, as long as we're still thinking that we're doing something progressive, it still it feels, makes you feel better, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, whatever. So even if you sat and watched the movie, you watched the whole movie. You got to see the whole thing. That's progress versus you keep rewinding and playing the same scene. You're going to be like, that was a waste of my time. Okay? This is how we think. So, so low-level thoughts have to make you feel like you're doing something. Right? So it has to take you on a journey. But the problem is you're going to death. Low-level thoughts take you to death. The end result is something dying. It may not be you personally, physically, but it could be your dreams dying. It could be, you know, a bright idea that was given to you by God. It just dies because of your low-level thinking on the subject. Okay? So, low thoughts produce death. Not the hibernation kind of death, you know, where you're just hibernating for a season. No, this is the dead dead. Like, we're never doing this ever. <laughs> this isn't like the, the, you plant the seed and it dies 
and then it comes up no 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 we're talking this is you're done (laughs) okay so that's where low level thoughts are linked now go to hosea 4 6 and i'll prove it to you (laughs) just in the first line of the scripture what does the bible say my people are destroyed for what lack of knowledge their their lack his law knowledge of his law where he reveals his will and he says why that happens because of the priests who aren't telling the people the right stuff do you see that So then the people now don't know what belongs to them. And so they have lack of knowledge. So they're dying. They die for a lack of knowledge. Again, my point is low thoughts take you to death. You see that? Hosea 4, 6. You can put that as your reference. Go study it out. Okay? And... um, Now, ladies, you're not supposed to be dying. Nothing in you should die. If you have an idea, it should not die, ever. Because you got the idea. Could you imagine Adam? He comes up in front of an animal. God, told, God gave Adam the responsibility to name every single animal on the planet Earth. And, Adam, and he didn't give him any clues either. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He put his spirit in him. And he expected Adam to behave like he would. And so he, Adam, went in front of an animal. And I think you're like that. And that's what the animal became. And that animal multiplied. And there was more of that thought that Adam had. Of what that animal was. So. Low thoughts bury ideas, like the guy with the talent. Low thoughts think of how the idea wouldn't work. So every time you think about how the idea wouldn't work, it's equivalent to a shovel of dirt being dug up to stick it in. Okay? So how do we get over it? Things die for a lack of knowledge. So the first thing we have to do is take any idea and find out God's will for it in his law, in his word. That's what we do. We take the idea, we write it down, and we find out the will for the idea. I guess in a way what you could do If God gives you an idea, it becomes your property. So when you write it down and anchor it to scripture, it's like writing out a deed for that idea. You see what I'm saying? You create a lawful document that links you, the idea, and the word of God. Because faith comes, right? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So when you bring 
the word into it, the will of God into it, and you link it to the idea, you have substance to work and get this idea to become a live thing. But when you take initiative to participate with the idea, you take ownership of it. Now the Holy Spirit has a frame of reference with which to work with you on concerning this idea for when the timing is right. Do you understand? So when I wrote my first book, Josiah was three months uh, born, a three-month-old baby, and I was two weeks away from the woven tea at the time I did woven teas. So I'm just trying to survive because I was nursing. And Josiah ate every hour and a half. <laughs> and I was like a zombie trying to sleep and wake up every hour and a half. It was crazy. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to get myself together because I have to do this tea. Like, I have to be at the tea. Like, I have to physically be at the tea. So I have to get enough strength to be able to be at this tea. So I'm working out in my head how I'm going to, in between times and when I'm going to announce something or say whatever, I will nurse him and where will I nurse him. This is what's in my head. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit pops into my head. I told you to write a book and you didn't listen to me. And now, uh, and you, in this next tea, if you don't have a book written by this next tea, somebody's going to kill themselves and their blood's going to be on your hands. So I'm like, that's got to be like hallucination. Like, that's got to be I'm too tired. But I couldn't, the reason why I couldn't dismiss it as that, because the Lord had been telling me to write a book, right, for years. And the reason I never wrote a book was because I didn't know how to get the book published. Right? I'm like, I don't know how to, what to do. See, lack of knowledge. I almost lost that. Okay, and I believe if I didn't obey then, I would have lost it altogether. Right? So I decided, oh my, I think the blood on my hands thing kind of got me. So the frame of reference was painted back to me of an instruction that I had already been given. And so what I did now, when I realized I have two weeks left, to write a book and publish it in the first place. The reason I never wrote a book, I didn't know how to publish it. So <laughs> I went online on the computer, grabbed the computer, Josiah in hand on the computer, how to publish a book in two weeks. That's exactly what I typed in on Google. <laughs> Up popped. Search finds the first one. Publish your book in two weeks. Clicked on that. That's the person I use. Good thing is... <laughs> Great news, they had a template that every, I downloaded everything. Started writing the book. I started writing my first book in their template with Josiah while I'm nursing. But before I did that, I went uh, just so Pastor Doug was playing with Gabriel because Gabriel had lost all his privileges by that time because a new birth has happened. And so he was taking some time to play with Gabriel in Gabriel's room. I knocked on the door. I said, oh, I'll be writing a book. This is how we have these comments. I'm holding just like, I'm going to start writing. I'm going to be writing a book for the woman's tea. He said, the tea is in two weeks. You're going to write a book yet? <laughs> he said, how many pages is this book going to have? 
says, I don't know, maybe about a hundred or so. He goes, you're going to write a hundred pages. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, how dare you question me? I'm going to write a Yes, I am. Okay. So I got the computer, went back on my bed with Josiah in tow. I, I started writing. And I would, I remember Doug, I would just, he would just come take Josiah out of my hands. And I would just keep writing. And I'm writing and writing, straight out of my head, just writing. And then he'd come bring Josiah back. I'm <laughs> in the same position. And I would flip to the other side <laughs> and write. But this is what happened. And ever since then, every year since then, I have been writing a book. Now, the first book, oh, my gosh, you would not believe. The errors was unbelievable. Like, the circular writing was like, it should be in a museum. So, people were so gracious. They were like, uh, Pastor Fiona, it's so wonderful that you wrote a book. There were just a couple things I had a question about. I'm reading and I'm going, I have I don't know what it means either. <laughs> so, so what I did was I had Pastor Doug edit. So it's since been edited. My first book has since been edited. It's better now. And then ever since then, and so a couple books in is when Pastor Doug realized. Oh, so what happened was I, I self-published, you know. All I did was this book had no ISBN or anything because I didn't know how to get that yet, you know, that barcode. But I knew, but it printed the pages. It had a cover. And I was able to bring it to the T. It got delivered like the day before. And people bought it. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. I'm like, Lord, this person that needs to get this book is going to get this book because I did my part. <laughs> and to this day, I've never heard a testimony. Nobody has ever told me. <laughs> Your book saved my life. Nothing. Zippo. <laughs> Josiah's going to be 12 in January. He has not heard a single thing. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it did. It put me on the path to writing books. So here's what happened. So, so I think people thought, you know, I've been working on this for a while, you know, whatever. So <laughs> Sunday morning in church. Mind you, I've, I've never written a book. So I don't even know what you're supposed to do with it. Put in a book, you know what I'm saying? So I, since I didn't have time for research and to get the books I've read, to put quotes, I just put quotes in the book and put my name in it. So this lady, as far as the beginning of every chapter, as far as the heading of every chapter, I put like a phrase, like a saying somebody could walk away with, you know. So this couple was attending our church at the time, and he was studying it to be a doctor. And so his wife came up to me in the morning, and she said, yeah, uh, I, I got your book. I've never, I've never seen anyone go she said, our pastor from our church where we're from, he's an author, and he uses Amazon to publish his books. He, that's how he, and she was kind of telling me in an uppity way, right? And right away I went, oh, my God. I'm thinking to myself, Amazon publishes books? This is great. So after church, I go home and look up Amazon publishing. And I saw and I went, oh, my gosh. This just made the whole thing easier. So that's when I took the same book. 
had, had it edited by Pastor Doug. It was him and I in the train at this time. And then I uploaded it to Amazon. Then I reached, I found out how you get your own barcode. You could either use Amazon. Then I'm like, wait a minute. So I got all this information from the one instruction. You see what I'm saying? But I took ownership of it is my whole point. You understand what I'm saying? I linked myself. I was like, I'm writing 100 pages. I think it is about 100 pages, actually. We should go check. But it was the, uh, my purpose of you, the brown cover book. That's the first book I ever wrote. And, um, and then the second book was You Can Be Fearless, which that book has been one of my number one selling books. So, <laughs> so my point is I had a lack of knowledge which caused me not to write things for so long. Doug and I both had written down as goals that we want to write books, but we never did anything with it because we didn't know how to. So right there, that lack of knowledge thing could steal dreams from you. And the whole time, Amazon was there. So, so how many pages? Yes. 103. <laughs> 103 pages. So right here was this book. It didn't look like this. The first one doesn't look like I changed the cover on purpose so I'd know the difference. <laughs> but, yeah, and then the barcodes in the back. So I own the barcodes, which is a big deal. Because that means I could sell it in any store. If I had taken the Amazon ones, I could only sell it on their distribution, which I learned all that. And then my second book was You Can Be Fearless, which is 139, 140, 100 and something, 44 pages. So I went 44 pages more. And then uh, I forgot the other ones, 12 of them. So, um, and... Oh, The Confident You was the next one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my point in all this is when you follow an instruction with the right thoughts, with high-level thinking, it is always linked to life. High-level thoughts. will produce life. Okay? So, life, you know, life is happening when multiplication occurs. So, how many people have written books now in our church? I know for a fact that because I wrote my books, my husband did. So there's one person. You know what I'm saying? And then because we did, Pastor Nadine, Pastor Nelson, Melissa, Abby, in that order. <laughs> and, um, and then also this lady, one or two people from the conference that I know of, the Women's Conference, they wrote books right after the conference. They published books that they've had in their heads and they never wrote it out. So... Just from my one instruction. So, that, so now that's territory that I took for my life. So you know how every farmer has their brand of seed or their kind of seed or whatever. You know, like you can know which, what, what um, apples came from this orchard and what the, the, the grapes that come from certain, you know, whatever. You have your brand that got put in you of what you can produce for the same thing somebody else is doing, but you do it with you. 
you are in it. You and him are in it. You know, like if you look at the watch the apostles, how they did miracles, like how they did the same. It's Jesus in the name of Jesus. They're using the Holy Spirit. But things are happening at their hands that won't happen to somebody else the same way. You understand? So, but, but has the world gotten to see it? Did you show it? Do they know that version? You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's less about us and all about him. But can he show him through you? That's the question. So high thoughts are always thinking of how you can show up against the devil. How you can show a higher way against the devil's lower way. So when I tell you the stories I told you about the systems that I deal with, it's not about me showing off that I could do it better. It's about me showing that there is a better way to treat people. <laughs> There's a better way to get from point A to B, and people don't have to do penance to get it every time. Right. So the enemy's, the enemy's thought process is always, you owe me. You owe me. That leads to death. Because you're waiting for people to pay their monthly dues to you. And if they don't pay, you can't live. Well, think about that. <laughs> think about that. That just made every person that you think owe you, they, that you made them your source. They just became the source. So you have to start... So you think higher thoughts. Okay. Let me, let me jump to the chase. Let's go. Okay. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ has no death thoughts in it. Except that he was dying on the cross for the sins of mankind. But he was going to raise again from the dead. That's as far as death thoughts went. It didn't stay at death. It, it ended at raised. Right? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that he left here for us to work with. So he didn't give us a, a, a lower version. It's the same spirit. So the same amount of life that Jesus operated with, we get to operate with. And it is explained to us as being the mind of Christ, which tells me life thoughts happen with our thoughts, our mind, our thinking. Okay? So in 1 Corinthians 2.16, here's what it says in the Amplified Classic. 1 Corinthians 2.16 and uh, I have it also. It's not the one that I did that in. Okay. So I'm going to do some link-ups here, so you've got to follow me. All right. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide 
and instruct him and give him knowledge. There's that word again. Okay? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Okay? So as a believer, you have the mind, the thoughts of Christ that are in you. So the question is, do you allow yourself to think on those thoughts? That's what it comes down to. Okay? Now, Okay, here's the guideline. The guidelines of thinking based on God's plan for your life. You literally have to have an obsession and a fixation on this, what we're about to read, which you know very well, but we're going to look at it. Philippians 4.8. You have T-shirts with it. Your coffee cup in the morning probably has it on it. You got your Bible, you know, highlighted. Yeah. So you know how they show you these things that these homemade DIY light producers, like you could pedal a bike and light up a thing, you know, with all these things. This, if you get fixated on this, this will produce more life thoughts in you than you could imagine. This right here. Because the death thoughts that you're producing, the low thoughts, is because there's a fixation on low-level thinking. So if you take this verse and decide to be obsessed with it, right? So let's see what version do you have up there. Okay, we'll start with that one. For the rest, brethren, whatsoever is true, Again, to find absolute truth, it's got to be in the Bible. Whatsoever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemingly. Whatever is just, whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely and lovable. Whatever is kind and winsome and gracious. If there is any virtue, I want you to think about that word. And excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. If you made this a thing you do, how much time are you going to have to think about something else? Yeah. If you put this around your house, And that becomes your atmosphere that you hone in on. It will become automatic to sit and daydream with those words. You see what I'm saying? This is how you take meditating on the word and all that. You put it together for to do something. You know what I'm saying? Not to just have knowledge that you don't. This is why kids in school have a hard time because they can't apply it yet. Like, they don't know where they're going to use it. But if you can show them, 
this is going to help you do this. Oh, then they'll pay more attention. I'll tell you a funny story about Josiah. So yesterday, <laughs> we're, uh, we're praying over something. We're praying over a meal or something. Yeah, we're praying over a meal. And so uh, while we're praying for the meal, we said, oh, and thank you, Lord. I said, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord, for finding the boys, right? So Josiah said, well, I thought we already found them. I said, well, yeah, so we're thanking God for finding them. He goes, oh. I said, oh, my gosh, Doug. <laughs> we're so used to thanking God for things before it happens that, <laughs> that in his head, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I went, you see how things are caught more than thought? Like, so in his head, it's done because, you know, we're, but, but, but we found them, so we're good now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was like, yeah, but they've already, I said, yeah, I know, so I'm thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's an automatic thing in our house, we re- realized, it's automatic for us, that when something hasn't happened yet, but we're expecting to, we just thank God ahead of time that it's done, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so when it does happen, I guess Josiah's not around to hear us thank God for it. <laughs> funny i was like oh or maybe when he heard us thanking god for it he doesn't realize it already happened you know like (laughs) oh boy (laughs) okay um all right so obsessively think about now here is a thing i want to caution you on so when you hear about an outrageously amazing testimony, you know, of something that happened. Somebody did something. God did something for them. They did a great feat. Let's say you were living in the day of Samson, and you, he just come back and told, yeah, somebody's like, hey, did you hear what Samson did? What did he do? He killed a thousand people with, like, this donkey's head. Like, oh, my gosh, right? So that's something to think about and be like, Wow. Look at what the power of God and this man could do. Look at his anointing, what it can do, blah, 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 right? It, here's, the, here's how it could backfire on you if you don't have this thing in place properly. Go to Galatians 5.22. Yeah. This is where people end up thinking low. This is where people can't obsess about good things because then they start having problems. The problems become, I wish I could do that too. Why can't I do that? How come they get to do that? That's a problem. So now you start thinking low again. <laughs> Your jealousy kicks in and you start thinking low. And the reason that happens is because of this. Galatians 5.22. I told you I'm going to start webbing things together. So you've got to go with me on this. Everybody with me so far? Okay, Galatians 5.22 and 23, Amplified Version. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence, within accomplishes is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such there is no law you see that so you have to personally grow in the fruit of the spirit, you don't have to get more of, like it doesn't have to be better. It's already potent at the highest level it can be. You just have to allow yourself 
to operate in it. It's the same thing, you know, when pastor says, when the Holy Spirit's flowing, he's laughing. If you want to laugh, just laugh. Like, you don't have to wait for him to come break you out of the chair, swing you around a couple of times and make you laugh, you know, to tickle you. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If the Holy Spirit's moving in laughter, just laugh. And there you've participated. Like, it's not rocket science. You know what I'm saying? But if you are, if you are stuck on this penance type thing, you'll think you have to work something up. Or if you laugh without feeling something, that you're faking it. How could you fake the Spirit of God in you? If you have the Spirit of God in you, and joyfulness is one of the fruits, and you laugh, You, you see what I'm saying? And if the motive is to participate in the move of God in the service, then where's the problem? If the motive is to come in and fake something, pretending like you're, so you can get everybody else to move along, now that's the problem. But if you're just joining in, where's the problem? Where is the problem? You see? Okay. Okay. So fix Galatians 5.22 so you can fixate on Philippians 4 and not have jealousy and envy sneak in there, okay? Because when you see great things happening through people that God's using and you can rejoice and fixate on it and go, my God, there's revival. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate on revival. Oh, my God, what do you think is going to happen to you? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Not go, yeah, I wonder how, what they did to get the people in there. And I went, ah! That's low death that is going to die in you. It's going to die. You see? When you start wondering, I ha- wonder how come she could do that? I can't. Death. 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 Low level trailer park. Sorry. Trailer <laughs> You know, the ones with the tires everywhere and nobody cares, that, that's what I'm talking about. You know, um, the place that they found these kids was in what they call the um, squatting area. So there's no address. Everybody's just squatting. Now I know why they had abscesses from head to toe. So that's hell. But think about this. Hell is worse than that. And a lot of the people living there are going to hell because they don't know any better. And their thinking keeps them there. As a believer of Christ, you cannot participate in this low thinking. There's no reason to participate in this low-level thinking and consider it pious and godly and holy in some way. It is unacceptable. It is not right. It is not pure and holy. It sure is not God. Do you understand? It's slowly pulling you to death. But because you're taking a journey to it, you think you're actually doing something. (laughs) You think you're, I'm producing, you know? I'm not as bad today as I was yesterday. What is that? (laughs) What are you gauging it against? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not as sad today as I was yesterday. Well, so sadness is the gauge here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Do you, you see how that is? You see how the devil comes in and makes you feel accomplished, but you're accomplishing in the wrong direction. It's like this. <laughs> okay? All right. Now, this is not even the, the main... When you hear what I'm about to tell you... Remember I said we're going to make the roads... The, <laughs> we're going to make the path great again. I just had to do that. <laughs> okay? I was thinking it, and I go, oh, my God, that's such a great phrase. I have to write it out. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> because I was running low on time to do this, Pastor Doug is a researcher, and he's so good at it, so I just gave him the assignment. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm reading in Philippians 4, and it says about virtue, you know, think about this. Think about it. And I'm wondering, I want to know the root meaning of that word virtue and the word virtuous in Proverbs 31. Can you go find it for me and tell me how they link? So he did. Yeah. All right. So, um,. The devil took Proverbs 31 and turned it into some housemaid. Like this is what he did. He said, you know, I know how I'm going to turn all the Christian women into slaves to my culture worldwide. I will interpret the scripture for them all. I will have conferences come out of their upper rooms while people speak in tongues and display the messages that I have created. <laughs> the identity shall be brought forth with such passion and display of how-tos that nobody can ever stand up against it ever <laughs> for all time. <laughs> so, Philippians 4.8, the word virtue means moral goodness, virtue, a gracious act, uprightness. Isn't that what everybody thinks of Proverbs 31 virtue means? Oh, she's so virtuous. So, <laughs> so Rahab couldn't possibly qualify for that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, it goes on. Properly, it means moral excellence, which is displayed to enrich life. Of course, everybody else's life but hers, but hey. So that's in Philippians 4.8. <laughs> okay. And then, so Pastor Doug's email, he goes, you wait till you see what this says. <laughs> this is email to me. So Proverbs 31, an excellent woman um, who is, spiritual, capable, intelligent, and virtuous. Who is she who can find her? Oh, just go to somebody's backyard. You'll see her there barefoot and her belly's going to be bulging. That's what they think. Yep, that's how you find her. Her value is more precious. Yep, she's valuable because she's carrying life. That's very valuable. It's more precious. Yeah, this is how they've sunk it down. (laughs) So here is what that virtuous means. It means strength, efficiency, wealth, 
army. It means army. (laughs) The noun is masculine. Uh, it resu- it's a result or display of strength. Not so she can carry a bigger pot. <laughs> or twins while she's doing the laundry in a basket somewhere. I mean. of strength mighty man or men this is what the word means who can find a woman like this strong like a man <laughs> who yeah who is efficient like like the dream man this is like having a woman who can display skills better than a man like this is what it means like efficiency army like seriously oh my god and then the third thing down is ability efficiency often involving moral worth like that's the third on the on the list don't we just flip it up like oh she has to be (laughs) yeah Yeah, especially to do worthily, efficiently, perhaps also uh, the, uh, I don't know what else that says, but might and wealth, a forceful army, like a powerful army. These are all, this is the root word of that virtuous word in Proverbs 31. Yeah. The noun is masculine, power, strength, army. I mean, it just keeps repeating itself. Power, absolute, by force and power. Call loudly. That's another problem. It's too loud. It says call loudly. <laughs> Mighty men of power. Like, now able, activity, Army, band of men, soldiers, company, great for... I mean, like this one one word. This is what it means when it relates to the woman in Proverbs 31. So can we just be done with all the barefoot and pregnant nonsense? Like, seriously. And besides that, this was written to a young a man who was a king about his wife. The wife of a king is what? A queen! But the but the but the uh, the religious demons have turned her into a concubine, one of the slave girls, you know, a concubine. She is the wife of the king, a queen. So I think that debate is over. So, and the reason I say this is this because if you are going to think about that verse if there is any virtue in it think about it I wanted to shatter what you might have thought the word virtue means based on Proverbs 31 because it gets hammered into women's heads so much 
So, so when you're thinking, what has virtue in it? Oh, my, she's so gentle when she speaks. That's what I'd like to be like. Really? <laughs> you understand? Like, that's not virtue. That's probably called fear. <laughs> but she disguises it behind a smile, so you think. But she's full of fear. You understand what I'm saying? say it <sighs> yeah you know I have people do surveys about me to, 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 to summarize that she's young and she doesn't know how to be this I thought to myself seriously at my young age, frankly, I've accomplished more than you could ever dream of. And you're like ready to see the grave. So let's just. But I never said anything because I thought, oh, that would just be not Proverbs 31. If I had seen this army thing, oh, I would have said it. Most likely from a microphone with an audience of the world. So I just want you to know I'm coming from a place of I too was wrongly discerning this passage from a third world perspective and a Western society. I mean, I had both that I had to deal with. So in my head, it was all, uh, you know, I, I, well, I, but this is how, uh, oh, when I saw that word army, I went, oh my gosh. That, because at first, the, the revelation I got about her being a queen, I mean, what, what I, I, got, I had to have a revelation that she was a queen. It was right. How could you not know that a king's wife is a queen? The only way you wouldn't know that is because you've been taught, never has it been pointed out, that the woman was a queen. You understand what I'm saying? It was always shown like she's some housewife. The best housewife you could ever be is like the Proverbs 31. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so God actually had to give me a revelation that this woman is a queen. And you know the revelation came from me seeing the thing like she has governmental authority. It was one of the versions I went, oh my God, this woman has governmental authority. Queens have governmental authority. And that's how I linked it back to. And he said, could you please go read the beginning of the chapter? And I went, okay. And I went, oh my gosh. They're ta she's talking to a king. And then she's telling him what kind of wife the king should have. That means she's a queen. This was how I got the revelation. Just a few weeks ago, by the way. So <laughs> I came out of the room. I said, Doug. The Proverbs 31 woman was a queen. Oh, because I was having these, these thoughts and these urges and yearning for better things. A better environment, just better things. I was like, something's not hitting right. And so I was just ticked off. I was royally ticked off. I didn't know at what exactly. <laughs> I just knew I was being held down and I was ticked off about it. And so I had a conversation with Pastor Doug about it. And I was just going on and on and off. And so, 
And so he's praying like he can only do when this occurs. So he comes home and he had this grin on his face. And he says, well, the Lord reminded me that you always says she was your queen. And, I, and you treat her like a queen. And I went, oh, my God, your words have turned me into this. <laughs> and I went, oh, my gosh. And then the Lord's like, why don't you go read Proverbs 31? So whatever version I was in the Bible at that time was the version that came up. And I, the word governmental just like flew off the page. And I went, I ain't ever seen governmental. I think it was the passion maybe that I saw it in. Sorry, I it I went, oh, my gosh, the Proverbs 31 woman was a queen. <laughs> and that's how we put it all together. I'm just saying. <laughs> so for 26 years of marriage, my husband has been saying, she's my queen. And I thought, you know, we in a small kingdom. We got <laughs> our kingdom needs to be elevated. <laughs> we need to upgrade this kingdom. <laughs> I say this to you tonight, ladies, with the, with the thoughts. Uh, I'm also thinking big thoughts. So, so that's when the Lord was showing me, where do low thoughts come from? So I went, ah, and showing me that it's all linked to death would make you stay, want to stay away. Who wants to go do something that will kill them? Right? Nobody does. So that's a good image to have. <laughs> of it doesn't do it right away. Remember when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? But their thought about obeying the enemy killed what they had to look for. You understand what I'm saying? So when you're going to think on things, that I would, I would recommend that you redefine every word in that verse for yourself. Make sure. Look at it in several versions. And... You know, when it says, um, uh, where is it? Okay, you know, for whatever is true, you need to evaluate whatever subject matter you're thinking, thinking on, that you're not thinking something is true based on what culture has shown you, what your family line has shown you, what your education has shown you, what your experience has shown you. You can't define true by those terms. You have to divide, uh, define it by the word of God and even his instructions to you, right? So for me, if I were to meditate that it's true that I'm an author, um, if I listen to anybody who decided what I should be when I grow up, they, they would laugh. <laughs> they would laugh. So <laughs> I can't define the truth of me being an author by what they think. You understand what I'm saying? I have to define it by the instruction God gave me so if God told me, I, I asked you to write a book and you hadn't, that means God had in mind for me to be an author. Because writing a book translated on earth is called author. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is how you evaluate the truth that you know on a subject. You know what I'm saying? This is why I, I had a problem calling myself Dr. Fiona and allowing people to do it. You know, I was like, and, and the Holy Spirit said to me, one day, like, who gave you that instruction? Like, who asked you to be Dr. Fiona? I went, oh, well, God did. Okay, so what is your problem with him asking you to be, the, oh, well, I guess there is none. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? 
But we can get into this, like, like put ourselves in this place that we don't want to stand out too much. We don't want people to think that we're better than them. Well, we are. <laughs> if you're a believer, you are. <laughs> I scared her. <laughs> I startled you. <laughs> you're like... <laughs> I've said this before. If you're in a room full of sinners, like bonafide sinners, rejected Jesus sinners, you are better than them. <laughs> because of the spirit that lives in you. Don't try to identify with them that you want to be like them because you're identifying that you want to be darkness. That you want to have the qualities of the spirit of darkness. We don't have to identify with a person to lead them to Christ. They need to identify with Christ. You understand what I'm saying? So, so how far are you willing to go identify with somebody to win into the Lord? Are you going to go over on the other side too? Like there is a limit you even have. Well, why even bother? Like just keep it at the level it's supposed to be. So, you know. So I'm just saying. You got to decide what's true for you. What's worthy of reverence, that's a big one. What do you honor? What's worthy of honor? What's worthy of allness? That's a big one. You know, people respect other people's um, opinion and their choice and all that. You know, because I don't want to interfere. And the person's sinning. They're sinning in your house. Using your stuff, and you just think you can't say it. Are you kidding me? Like words like you're a stench in the nostrils of my environment. (laughs) This must go. This activity must stop. There must be paralysis on your body parts that it cannot function to commit sin in my environment. Like, start speaking it. Yeah. There should be a bitter taste in your mouth every time you think of speaking evil against me. Start saying stuff. See what happens. You know how they put a dye through people's veins to see if they have a blockage? You do it with words. You just start deciding what's going to happen to things that go this way. You don't have to say, like, I decide that you're going to. No, just say, the person that decides to do this, this will happen to them. Read Psalm 35. That will give you a guideline of the things that are supposed to happen to people that do things to you. And God had to make me do that myself. Took me three to four weeks before I would agree to it. I would read it and I'd go, oh God, you can't do that to somebody on, my, on behalf of me. Because, because you know, you're, you're making it personal. If anybody does this to me, then this is what will happen to them. Well, it, it, you, yeah, but, but we've been conditioned to say if we say that Jesus cursed a tree that wasn't his tree <laughs> it wasn't in his yard he's on the way he's on his way somewhere and the tree is there and he cursed the tree <laughs> we don't realize the authority we have on the earth we give it over to the devil too quick too quick your neighbor is messing up the neighborhood start deciding what type of people live in your neighborhood see how quick they move (laughs) 
You know what I'm saying? Is this scaring you or giving you ideas? Okay. Uh, whatever is honorable, uh, whatever is just. Oh, whatever is just. Oh. <laughs> you need to find out what's just based on the word of God, not what's just, just by the land. You know what I'm saying? If we went by the law before something was overturned, we would think it was justice to allow somebody to decide what happened here. But that ain't just. <laughs> okay? The, ju- the seat of God, he's the real judge. So we have to know what he would judge as right and wrong. And when, the, when what he would judge would happen, that's what we focus on. That was a just uh, decision. That's what we focus on. So the way you know you're not focusing on just decision is when you go, well, that's not fair. <laughs> Josiah, oh my gosh, Josiah has me pegged down to like the science. He's saying something. I said, well, you know, he goes, mom, please, please. I know what you're going to, I already know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say about it. I know how you're going to say it. I said, well, then tell me what I'm going to say. And we'll I just don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> Well, you're going to have to deal with it at some time, so you might as well just get it out <laughs> as we're driving into the parking lot. He's like, Mom, I'm tired. I said, well, that, that's even more better for you to actually say the right thing. Like, you know you can't get away with this in my presence. Like, when did you think this is ever possible? He's like, oh, Mom, I know this is what it means, and this is what you're saying. Okay, thank you, as long as you understand. Okay, great. <laughs> but I won't let something get away because... It's the devil just needs a foothold. That's all the man needs. He needs a toe in the door. A toe. And if his little toe is the one that you got him getting in with, that means all the other toes are already in because the little one is the shortest one. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) And when that foothold shows up, you got to slam the door on it because it hurts really bad then. Yeah. Don't let him get in anywhere. Arrest it. We arrest things with our mouth. You arrest thoughts with your mouth. You don't arrest thoughts with thoughts. You arrest thoughts with voluminous thoughts. You could put it that way. The thoughts that have volume to them. Right? So you guys got the picture, you know? Whatever is admirable, lovely, lovable. If you think somebody that's committing sin and abusing you is lovable, you got a problem. <laughs> don't, in other words, don't meditate on that's what lovable is. You should curse it. You should say, I curse that behavior against me, and I, I curse it at the roots. That behavior is unacceptable to me. That's what you need to start doing. That behavior dies in my presence. It doesn't, that doesn't come to me. Yeah. All right. You got a picture. Redefine excellence. That's another problem, but we won't get there. Just look. <laughs> the best picture I've seen, the best example I've seen of excellence, and I do not know where I saw this, but they have a, had a pictorial of it years ago. They had a mountain, and they had a, a person climbing halfway. It's a very high mountain, so even going halfway is like, oh, my gosh, that's like nobody would go even. The, but because they only went halfway when the intention was to go all the way to the top, halfway, that was mediocrity. 
excellent is actually getting to the top of the mountain. So, if you're not all that God asks you to be, you're still cli climb <laughs> with your thoughts. Climb with your thoughts. It's sweatless. luxury daydreaming i mean think about it like like lu luxuriously dream great thoughts <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, <laughs> people who worry break sweat they break a sweat worrying yeah. you don't gotta break a sweat you just Me and my letter writing, I'm getting so good at it. I'm like, I'm going to bring out words these people never saw. <laughs> I'm going to insult them from the top to the bottom with words. It's going to be so beautiful, they'll think I'm complimenting them. <laughs> but you don't mess with my kids. You know, I said to my husband, I cannot believe, like, I feel like I'm fighting for children against people who are savagely against these kids when they're the ones who are supposed to be for the kids. So I'm fighting people who are supposed to helping kids to give a standard to children that they see as like nothing. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. God give me this job, it's gonna be the best day. I'm gonna be the best at it. I'm gonna be the greatest ever seen. <laughs> We're gonna make children loving great again. <laughs> so what we have done tonight, ladies, is make the path of the virtuous woman great again. <laughs> We've taken out all that brick and stubble, that stones that they put on the path. While you got to do it barefoot. <laughs> you know, we should research what a queen back in that day wore on her feet. I would love to know. <laughs> That's like a Melissa thing right there. What did the queens of that day wear on their feet? <laughs> because we know she got a crown because she's a queen. Receptor into vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you guys are having your own party over there. I'm, look I'm looking to see if any of my thoughts went unspoken on the subject. What, uh, tell me, tell me, I want to hear. I said her scepter is not a vacuum cleaner. Philippians 4 in and Amplified, the last thing says, fix your mind on them. So everything, with everything that goes wrong, 
don't let your mind be fixated on it. When I think of a problem, I don't think of the problem as the problem. I think of the problem and I look at it to see everything around it that I have access to that makes it a solution. So, and I work, I work at speed, lightning speed thinking this way. This is how I operate. So within an hour, something that was lost, that nobody cared about, was found. Because I pushed and said, do this, do that, do it now. <clears throat> or, I, I, or give me the info to do it. We're not waiting for nothing. We're doing it now. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you can't, one of the other lies that women get is that they have to, to be gracious. What's that thing? She has a, uh, she has a, a something spirit. Um, a gentle spirit. Oh, gosh, that used to get me. I'd be like, what does a gentle spirit do? What does that mean? But do you realize that the Holy Spirit would be considered gentle too? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the one who raised Christ from the dead. He's the one that did the activity of light to be. I wonder what that sounded like. He was the one that came in the upper room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So be careful how we define these words. We should look up the root of that gentle. Like, I asked Pastor, oh, he's going to my period tomorrow. He'll have time to do it. But <laughs> you see what I'm saying, ladies? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for freeing us yes. from the bondage of religious demons yes. that wrote things about us like they know who we are. Father, shatter the whole thing. All oh, the glass ceiling, everything, just bust it. It's all, it's unnecessary. I thank you, Lord, that we are free, and we are women of victory, and we are truly enjoying a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>